You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Police Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, and they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. That moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm-hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you miseducated the whole population. Then you can make money off those people. So what is the gospel? What is the pure unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by. Because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate, is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Peace and blessings. Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge, and we unapologetically discuss our worldview. I am unconditioned. I am unlimited. I am indivisible duality. I am your host, Emmanuel Williams. Greetings. You are listening to episode 184. This conversation is being recorded at the GMP podcast studios on East 24th and Burnside in Portland, Oregon, Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. Now, just a few announcements before we get started. Um, Really just one announcement. You are not human. Okay. You are a divine being. You are not an evolved ape. Newsflash. You are a divine being. If Jesus was half man, half God, right? And he was credited as God. If the creator said, let us make man in our image, What was the book trying to tell us about who we are and what was the pastor not telling us? Right. Mm -hmm. Food for thought. Moving forward. I have an amazing guest with me today. A man of many talents. He is a father, a son, a brother, entrepreneur, mindset, coach, master strategist, a philosopher, former collegiate, all American, former NFL player, creator of the sports motivation podcast. Get your mind right. Podcast. I'm not you.com. And I'm probably missing a few things. We have none other than Nii Shabamahimi. Welcome to the pod, bro. What's good, man? I'm I'm super great to be grateful to be here, man. No Appreciate doubt, it. man. I'm, I'm glad to have you, bro. I feel like this is uh, it was just in due time. You know, just Definitely. a matter of time that this right, is gonna right, happen, right. and uh, we got a lot to get into, bro. Certainly, a lot let's to get it. into, man. Let's let's get into it. So, um, I know I I said a few things about you, but if you could just let us a little bit, let us know a little bit more who you are, you know, where right. you're from and what's a typical day in the life of Nisha Bowman. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy, man. Cause coming out here, I live up in Washugo now, but driving down Burnside, this is my neck of the woods. Man, I grew up right down the street, mm. um, in Southeast Portland, uh, f- son, like you mentioned, uh, third of four boys. So mm. we grew up here in Portland, Oregon, uh, Nigerian pops, you know, my, my mom is white and, um, yeah, man. Football was a big part of my journey. Uh, we played soccer. So my dad is from Nigeria, you know, grew up a soccer family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all my brothers, all of us played soccer growing up. And it was about I think it was sixth grade where, you know, I went through a chubby phase and I was like, man, I'm cool with running. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like running. 
And uh, a bunch of my friends was playing football, and I was like, man, I want to play football. Convince my mom and my dad they let me. And that's when I really fell in love. Because I yeah. guess I was always kind of like the the black sheep, if you will. Mm. All of my brothers, super outgoing, super um, extroverted. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm introverted a little to myself. And didn't really quite live up to a lot of my dad's standards when it mm. comes to academics. You know, so anyone who has a Nigerian father, and I'm sure this is true of other people as well, <laughs> you know that your father values, you know, religion no is one, right, you know, right. and of course, uh, education. And yeah. the, the, the barometer or the measure of that is precisely what grades you bring home. Word. So, you know, looking back, I wasn't actually ever really a terrible student, but C plus, B minus, that's not cutting it. Bro, no, honestly, pops. I think what you ran into, bro, <laughs> Tunde set a tone. He did. He that did. was just hard. Like, how do you live up to that, bro? <laughs> right, right, Shout right. out to Tunde, man. <laughs> yeah, straight A's. You know what I'm saying? Like, all my brothers really uh, yeah. just killed it in that area. So, but anyway, football was my thing. You know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. kind of developed out of necessity, if you will. And that's what the I'm not you mentality is about. Mm-hmm. It's really like taking a certain... Uh, pride in being different, you know what I'm saying, and really mm. standing on what I want because that was actually the only way for me to survive. Like, mm. quite from an emotional standpoint, you know, anyone who's ever struggled to meet the, you know, the standards of your mother, father, or society, um, we all need that. So we got to find a way to fit in. So for me, it was just finding what my things were and realizing that I was gonna have to double down on those if I was gonna, you know, have any sort of fulfillment. So football was that for me. I loved it. Uh, my dad put me in a private school in high school, and I actually, they didn't have a football team, and I would take the bus, you know, from mm. downtown or all the way from southwest Portland, you know, where Calvin oh, yeah, Gabe Cal- was at, oh, yeah. all the way, you know, stopping downtown, then go take, I can't remember what bus that was, but go to Cleveland High School. Man, and um, it's a journey right there. But it was, it was what I love, man, and that led me to walk on at Oregon State. I had my first son when I was 19 years old, so I was a walk on at Oregon State. And I just made a pledge to myself I was not going to be that dude who was, like, uh, blaming having a kid on why he didn't, you know, make happen what he wanted to make happen. And for mm-hmm. me, that was football. I wanted to get to the league. And um, so from Oregon State, went then transferred to Portland State, got myself a scholarship there, which was a big deal. But, of course, it wasn't over. At that point, I still needed to perform and uh, to get where I wanted to go. Had a great senior season and uh, ended up walking on to – uh, or not walking on, but getting picked up as a rookie free agent to the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. and had a short stint in the NFL. But uh, since then, you know, I built a family, have kids, uh, became a firefighter, started a training company because I was actually st- trying to get back into the league once I got released from the Saints. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, actually, I live near Grant. So I, w- I remember went up to Grant High School and just wanted to get a little coaching spot to just help out, you know what yeah. I'm saying, just to stay around the game, and I felt like that would be good for me. And um, was coaching on the JV squad, you know, at Grant. And uh, it was crazy because I could relate so much to the kids, and I would look at them and I'd be like, man, <clears throat> these kids have so much talent, way more than I did. I never was, like, the most talented, but I found that they just lacked a certain, uh, not aggressiveness, they lacked, number one, a certain mentality towards the sport Mm. um, that I knew for a fact, if they didn't correct this, nothing would become of it because I had seen a lot of people that I grew up with who had all the talent, but they just never made anything happen. Mm. They didn't have the work ethic. If they did have the work ethic, they didn't have a certain mentality and certain 
uh, persistence that was required and that I found that was required. Mm -hmm. Something that I had and I built out of necessity and something that I also lacked at times where being, you know, at that age I was, I can kind of peep game and see like this is what leads to success, this is what doesn't. <clears throat> so I would take a couple of these guys up under my wing, would take them to train with me as I was still training. And quickly, like just me taking, picking up one or two of these guys. I remember Chance was one of the first athletes. Shout out to Chance. He's doing his thing now. But um, we'll take them to the gym. And then that started turning into them, bringing their friends. And then we just had a gym, you know, full of these young black athletes. You know what I'm saying? Bumping all types of Cameron and, and dip set. Right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? And just yeah. getting it in the gym. And um, I had an idea because a lot of these guys, I, I feel like they needed more. And they needed more than just the physical part. Like, they needed that, but they needed to be put up on game. They needed to be mentored and taught, like, this is how you got to approach your sport if you want to make something out of it. And so that turned into my first business, which was called Pro Squad Athletics. And so I would create these six-week training camps. So it uh, started off, it was eight of them, eight guys. And for six days out of the week, we'd work out two hours after, and I put together a full curriculum for them. But it was take it was covering the mental or the physical as well as the mental. Mm -hmm. So I would ha give them books to read. I would show them how to grocery shop, how to cook for themselves. Like high school kids, too. High school kids, man, exactly. That's, that's fire. Yeah, so it was game-changing, man. I, I had so much fun. Um, and me and Tim actually was, you know, Tim, yeah, me yeah. and Tim was doing this. He was helping me with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was it was so dope, man. And um, did that for a couple of years. And then that started because I was doing that out of this gym over there on MLK. Shout out to Pace. And um, I started having people reach out to me wanting to just get trained by me. And I was never really as much into the training. I was doing that because I was still a football player trying to get into the league. But I didn't really have a passion for training necessarily yeah. from a physical standpoint. But, you know, I took on some clients and got some pro soccer players in there, some other younger athletes, and was doing that. And after a while, man, I just realized, like, through training, and it was specifically one female athlete that I was working with where it was just so it was so obvious to me she needed way more than just the physical training. Yeah. And it was almost like not saying she didn't need this, but it was like this is not. So it would end up I would be taking, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, you know, of our one-hour training sessions, really just putting her up on game. Getting her mind right. Yeah, getting her mind right, yeah. showing her practical Man. things and how to, like, even, you know, from even from how to plan out and schedule your week, like yeah. structuring your life in a way that leads to the getting of your goal. Because so many of us would have, you know, they would have these these uh, excuses. I'm too busy. I got to do that. Next thing you know, I'm laying out, you know, they're, they're seven by 24. And it's like, look at all these pockets of time you're wasting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what are you doing on the way to training? What are you listening to? What are you doing after training? Mm. How are you preparing yourself so that you're getting the most from this one hour instead of just being busy? So I would just, I, and this is how it started. I would take her and her dad, who was extremely uh, invested in her, and I would take them in the back of that gym, and I just started creating these little lessons for them, you know, like just boom, boom, boom. And very, and I'm a practical dude, and you know this about me. We have this in common. I would want to take these concepts that were told to us, right, but actually break them down in a in a practical way so that I could actually help them train that thing, right. whether it's confidence, discipline, persistence, et cetera. And a lot of just the fundamentals of success and things that I was learning. And uh, and I was really liking the results that I was getting with this athlete. And I just had to make an, uh, a, you know, a conscious decision. Like, I want to take this. I want to focus fully on the mental aspect of the sport. Right. And show these athletes how to really get their mind right in a practical way uh, so that they, they can succeed and get the most out of themselves. So 
uh, I made a choice. I made a conscious decision. I told all my, you know, my training athletes, like, look, man, I'm no longer doing this. I'm transferring to this. And um, that was where the I'm not, the concept of I'm not you came up mm. and uh, just went all in. And at the time, you know, the podcasts were out, but it wasn't as, I can't say that I had a lot of role models or like models of so what how year, to do So what this. year did you start podcasting? Let's see. 20... The podcast came out after I had actually already started, you know, I'm Not You. I would say 2014, maybe. Uh, okay. 20, yeah, no, you, did, you didn't have no role models, bro. That yeah, was, so, that was early. Dude. Right, right, right. That's some OG type stuff. So it was still like, can I do this? Like, is this possible? How do I do, quote, unquote, mental training? Like, what does that actually look like? Right. Um, but, you know, the internet, it's not like this was 1999 or anything. It's still <laughs> right, YouTube's right. out. So yeah. it's people out there doing it. And so... That's when I made that decision to go all in. And at the time, I was a firefighter as well. Mm -hmm. And um, through building I'm Not You and really getting some momentum, getting some clients up under me, and it's actually knowing, like, okay, I can do some of this, I decided to then quit my job as a firefighter and dive man, full in, all in. To, to my business. Um, and did that, man. And, you know, the rest is quote-unquote history, if you Thanks. will. Still yeah. doing it yeah. and uh, learning a ton. And, um, yeah, man, like I said, you know, Five children, you yeah. know, so my my oldest son, he's 17 now. It's crazy. He's driving and everything, man. Just remembering, uh, you know, when he was a baby when I was, you know, in, in college, man. It's a trip. That's, but, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my son is 13 now, and I'm like, dang, bro, you almost at the house. <clears throat> right. No, Low man, key. It happens you know what I mean? Like, it what just quick. happened? Yeah. Yeah, bro. So, right. so you went from being just like your regular trainer, personal trainer, to mindset coach. Right. One. That's a path that, like, you just blazed on your own. Did you know of any mindset coaches before you? No, I didn't. And what I did know was that, and I've always, like, and, and that's what the thing about the time we live in right now. All you got to do is just look around. Yeah. Like, if you, like, look at this spot right here. Right, right. Like, the right. fact that this is a thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And then you got, so I knew that it was it practically could be done. Like, right. it, like I said, I, it, it, this wasn't 95 when it's happened where there's yeah. nothing. There's people doing things on the internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a way for your voice to be heard. Right. So practically I knew that. And I knew, you know, that was when I really started embarking on learning and learning aggressively, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. I call it, aggressive learning, where I'm like attacking, like reading multiple books a day, watching all sorts of things and realizing like there's so much shit I don't know. Yeah. And I can learn it relatively mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. So I knew that there was a way for me to do that. I like I didn't have a ton of, you know, role models in that way, but there's courses, there's a bunch of courses that I took. You know, I remember not knowing even how to sell my product. You know what mm. I'm saying? I'm naturally like an introverted dude. Sales is like not something that's that comes natural to Bro, me. Bro, I came from sales, but I had to take a few pages <laughs> out your book because I ain't I didn't know how to start marketing myself. You right, know what I mean? Right. It's just like it's different when you get out of doing something for somebody else as opposed to doing it for yourself. Like, mm -hmm. dang, how do I sell myself? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it was uh it was it's and I've always liked I've gotten a rush from that when I don't know something that I learn how to do it. Yeah. And knowing that I can put the reps in and that's one thing that I brought from sports. I always knew, okay, if I if I have the basic prerequisite ability, if you will, where I'm mm -hmm. not like, you know, I got basic level of athleticism. I could learn this, you know what yeah, I'm saying? And that's yeah. always like anytime there's something that I know that I want and I know I can learn it, then I'm going to put in those reps and I'm going to get better at it. And uh, so, yeah, so that transition was, I'm not going to say an easy one, but it was a fun one for me. Yeah. Like, you know, the scary one was quitting my job as a firefighter because that was the biggest sort of, 
not only, you know, letting go of that security, but also that mentality. Mm. So, like, let me, let me explain. Mm. Once I came from, left the NFL, at this point in my life, I was still relatively young, and I would say stupid in a lot of ways, mm. and not in a negative way, but ignorant. Like, there's a lot of things that I didn't know, and there's a lot of ways that I was raised that were still very much conditioned within me, mm-hmm. right? So this idea of what success means and this security as well as this illusion of, you know, respect that you get from certain jobs or certain careers, you know, so I didn't really know what to do after football. Mm. And so what I, I talked to a few people and they said, you know, a lot of fire or a lot of guys, you know, post sports do this. And I talked to a guy who's, you know, really super helpful and helped me get the job. And he was a former athlete and he loved being a firefighter. And so I just kind of decided that's what I wanted to do. Mm. I didn't really know why necessarily, but I knew and looking back, I really wanted, number one, a certain type of security. Yeah. And I just wanted to know that I was doing the right thing. Yo, right? It's, it's crazy that like there's so many options in life. Right. But like especially if you grow up black, like playing sports your whole life. Then when you when you stop playing sports, you're like, yo, what am I going no, to real. do? Yeah, because we spent so <clears throat> much time, and I and I'm not gonna say like me personally, like I, I should have did more. Like I had fun. I'm sure right. you have fun too, right? You know, but it's like, dang, it's so many things that we could have done, but we kind of missed out on in our formative years of trying out other things exactly. to kind of know like what other paths we would want to go in life. Right, know? and yeah. I and I had no idea so, because before that, I had convinced myself that I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. But again, anyone who has a Nigerian father, I guarantee <laughs> if they got multiple kids, one of them's a doctor, one's yeah. going to be a lawyer, yeah, yeah. one's going to be, you know, those. So that was that was told to me. Like, I didn't even know what a lawyer was. Yeah. But so that was a really tough transition <laughs> of me figuring out, like, hold on, because when I got the job as a firefighter, I'm like, OK, this is cool. And then I'm looking and I'm even within the fire department. The, the idea of success was different. And I told you at that time I was reading a lot. And so yeah. my mind was expanding, even like what was possible financially. Yeah. And I'm looking like, this is not, <laughs> this is not, I shouldn't be celebrating this. This is not what I want. So right. I kind of decided pretty early that that wasn't something that I wanted long term and sort of began plotting my escape, if you will. Mm. And once I did, man, it was tough because it was like, you have to convince yourself first, which I was pretty sure of. You got to, you know, convince your wife. She was very supportive of me. But then it's like your family, you know, my mm. family. And you know my family, my father and my brothers. It's like, so I remember writing him an email, man, a long, drawn-out email. And I said, listen, you know, this the, the basic gist of it was this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is why I'm doing it. You know, I, I, t- I told him, like, listen, I want to be, you know, what I call a lion in the jungle, not mm. in the zoo. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, so that means I got to live and die by what I believe in. It's more than just whether or not you have a job versus entrepreneur. Cause I don't knock people with jobs. If that's what you want to do, yeah. as long as you're in control of your own destiny, if you will. Right. But for me, it's about knowing that I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. You know? So I told him that. And I said, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say nothing at all. Cause I knew <laughs> that, that it would affect me. You know what I mean? And they all respected that. You was like setting yourself up like, Hey, just, I'm just let y'all know right now. I know how y'all thinking, but yeah. just don't even, I don't exactly. Hear it. Yeah. exactly. So, uh, my dad, of course, you know, he didn't agree with it, but you know, he didn't give me hell either. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's never done that. He's never given me hell for what I've chosen to do, but he definitely is going to make his opinion known, which, you know, I respect as parents. Do. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, but that was that was a tough one for me. That was like the biggest sort of like, yo, like me divorcing myself from 
you know, not only that job, quote unquote, yeah. but from that mentality. That sounds like me telling my parents I wasn't a Christian no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> With all due respect, it's like, I'm not judging, but it's like, when for me, when I had to do that, right, man, it's a big deal. Nerves. Yeah, because I, and I know your family. You know oh, what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. So, yeah. you know what's expected. Exactly. You know? So, it's just like, dang. Right, trying to trying to preempt like yo, look, I just want to let y'all know, you know, try to right. You got to get it all rehearsed and all that, right? Because yeah, I, mean? I I feel like we underestimate at least me. Like I consider myself a really strong willed person, yeah. independent thinker, if you will. I pride mm-hmm. myself on these things, but I am still very much influenced by how I was raised. Like oh. we all are, yeah. And it's like yeah. it's tough, man. It's like a constant battle. Oh yeah. So you're. You have to be able to detect when those old voices come up, the old conditioning. Oh, yeah. And you have to be able to decipher, like, okay, and make that inner voice stronger so you can sun that other voice, you know what I'm saying, when appropriate. Um, But it's tough. But that was a big shift for me. Um, But it's a decision I never, not once, have I regretted. That's what's up. (laughs) Not one time. Bro, can I talk about, like, you podcasting in 2014, though? Right. Because that's, like, that's dope. Right. Yeah. And so and I remember when in in 2016, when I was like doing my research on podcasting, because I I knew I wanted to podcast for a minute around mm-hmm. that, like 2014. I think that's when I really started listening to podcasts. Right. And in 2015, 2016, I was like, oh, wait, how I can actually do this. Mm-hmm. I can just hook up a mic to my laptop. Right, right, right. And then um, I was just then I was really studying. And I was listening to uh, John Lee Dumas, yep. Entrepreneur yeah, on Fire Heavy. Yep. I know. And then I was listening on SoundCloud, and I was like, Nisa Bomi? I was like, what the? <laughs> I was like, oh, this dude on EO Fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I heard you on there. I was like, wow, like, Nia is really doing it. And so I started mine in 2017, February 2017. And at that time, you were the only person that I personally knew that was podcasting. Right, right. What has podcasting meant to you in your business? Oh, man, everything. Number one. <clears throat> when I first started off, I went from, you know, training, right, doing things locally to say, making a decision that I don't want to be doing things locally. And that's one thing that I see with a lot of people even from our city, from Portland, where it's like they think about Portland a lot. And I respect that. But it's like, you know, this is we live in a this is a very interesting, right. like unique time. Right. And it's not going anywhere. Technology is only getting better and better. So why settle for Portland when I could reach Australia, when I could be heard just as easily in Japan or, you know, uh, England, right? So the natural thing to do is like what? Okay, we got the internet, YouTube, and there was podcasting. You know, so for me, and again, I tell you, I'm, I'm an awkward dude. Like, this is not natural for me to be in front of cameras and things like that. Weird, weird. So a lot of what I do now Appreciate this is exclusive. You know? No, for real. Like, <laughs> but it's, I had to, you know, decide like, okay, where should I start? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, for me, a natural thing was, was podcasting. I remember, for, you know, putting out my first episodes and not having any idea what it was going to look like. Took a basic free course from John Lee Dumas teaching me how to do yep, it, set yep. it up. I downloaded it too. Yeah, get a little <laughs> microphone, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then throw it up on there and make my own cover with the Futura, you know, italicized mm, font. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, just ever so slowly but surely just getting leads, right? Having people hit me up on email telling me how much the podcast changed mm. in the game for them. And I'm just, my mind's blown. Yeah. So the podcast had been everything even in terms of from a marketing standpoint, that was how I got my clients and made a ton of money from just mastering. And I can't even say mastering because 
I still to this day feel like a rookie within podcasting. I nah, still, bro, give, give yourself your own flowers, bro. Like you have mastered it because a lot of people pod and don't, they don't, they, they try to pod just to get an audience. Right. And then monetize the audience with like little ads here and there. Right, right. But like you literally <clears throat> launched your own business. Right. So like you don't need to, it's, it's not even about how many, it's just like the quality of people that you get. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a sweet spot. That a lot of podcasters don't even know how to get there, or like they don't even know that they need to get there. Right now, so, I feel you, man, yeah. and, that, and that's one thing that I learned from certain people. Like, and one of them was Jay Abraham. Uh, read his books and actually met him through podcasting. Went up to California, interviewed him. Be world class marketer. It did, and it always made sense to me. It's like I know as a consumer, I don't like being sold all the time. Mm-hmm. I know why you and I listen to podcasts. We don't listen to podcasts so we can listen to ads. We listen to podcasts because we have goals, we have dreams, we have desires, we have problems, and we want to get easy, uh, practical solutions for those. So to me, it was always, I felt, and that's probably my biggest strength as an entrepreneur because I still consider myself a again, like a rookie CEO even and and Mm. running team. It's not like a natural skill of mine. But I've been so clear on what my purpose is, who I'm trying to serve, what specifically I'm trying to help them with. And I speak to them like I'm speaking through a microphone to another person. Yeah. <laughs> like so they're listening to me. Yeah. So I got to put them up on game and break things down and articulate to them, uh, things to them in a way that they can understand and they can actually put to use. And I always felt like if I can do that, then of course, naturally, whenever I sell something, they're going to trust me and they're going to purchase what I have to sell and I'm going to take that same concept and put in that same philosophy and put that into the products that I built. Um, and that happened to be killer instinct and my, my whole entire philosophy and my system that I developed that I said, this is going to be what the game's been missing. If you will, you know, mm-hmm, to quote mm-hmm. Jewel's like, Man. this is what the game needs. And I felt that because it's like, everyone's talking about certain concepts the training, everyone's that's already well laid out. You can get that anywhere. But who's really showing athletes and competitors the mindset, the habits, the systems mm. that they need to facilitate a dominant career? Right. Like to actually like approach it in a way where you can say, I left no stone unturned and feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Never mind, you know, how far you go. Because I knew how far I went with what little talent I had. And I was even able to look back on my career and be like, man, if I had this when like I was. you saying you had a little talent. What's, what's going on with that, bro? I mean, I mean, relatively speaking. Nah, nah. So, look, I'm, let, me, let me tell this story, man. So, <laughs> junior year in high school, I think I, we played at, at played Cleveland at Cleveland. Right, right, right. It was you and Andy L. in the backfield. Right. Bro, I'll never forget that game because I've never been injured this way in the game. <laughs> so, you know, it was my first time playing each And, I, like, I knew you played, but, like, so – Okay, you, you can say you didn't have a lot of talent. You didn't, you weren't known as like the right, guy, right. but when I got out on the field, I was like, oh, this knee is like really a big dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Playing fullback. So so you had came out the backfield on a sweep, and I'm like, and I'm used to like running through linemen and stuff, right, and I'm right, just right. like, man, I'm gonna run through this dude real quick. I, <laughs> you know, the uh, well, I don't put nobody else's name who I used to run over. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I'm like, I ran through these dudes. I can run through knee. Right. Man, I ran up on you, bro. You gave me the smoothest shoulder, bro. <laughs> and I fell. I was like, ah. And I fell like this and jammed my shoulder, bro, oh, and, like, sprained it. And I was like, bro, this nigga just knocked me over. <laughs> 
So you might not have been the most talented, bro, but you you can no, hit. That, that and was you can my, leverage yourself. That bro. was my you, calling card, and bro. I learned that when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> like that was when I found out like that. That's what was celebrated in football. Like oh, I, my mind man. was blown. I don't know if you remember. I don't know where you played uh, Pop Warner. I didn't play Pop Warner at all. Okay, yeah. so Coach Rucker, he's he's like a classic. I've heard that name uh, so much. Yeah, man, yeah. he he was like the greatest coach, man. But yeah. he would hold the bag, and you just run up and hit it. And mm-hmm. I remember when I came up and hit it, like I was the only one who kind of knocked him over. Okay. And he just like I remember afterward, he drove a TriMet bus. He would drive mm-hmm. me to my house in a TriMet bus, <laughs> and he would take me by Burger King and get me two Whoppers, bro. That's <laughs> like crazy. promise, like yeah. he was the coolest dude. Yeah. But when I learned that's how, how that's what was celebrated, like, and that's something that I feel. Is relatively within our control. I'm a bigger mm-hmm. dude, but it's like the amount of effort that you can give to when you go and hit someone. Yeah. Most people are afraid to do that, so that was always what I liked. You know, it was a lot. I wanted that smoke. I liked it too, but like your your form was perfect, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you hit me at the perfect angle. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I just lost balance here, bro. That right. was crazy. Nah, that's a trip. Man. But man, let's 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 get into your your philosophy and your mindset, bro. Right. Um, I seen a little something on the website. It was it was a t shirt. It said. On the back, it said, you hate pressure, I love it. Right. You think limits, I think possibilities. You second guess, I trust instincts. You take breaks, I take action. You sleep, I work. Yeah. I'm not you. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that, bro. Man, so let's just start with the first concept, this concept of pressure. Mm. You know, um, we as humans, we naturally love to feel good. You know, and I feel like the way that I was raised, the type of pressure that was put on me uh, as a son of my father, that was something I had to learn how to deal with. And even now, man, I'm not trying to get into too much of the, not even just the political, but just the societal sort of standards that are shifting. A lot of this, the concept of pressure or pain is misunderstood a lot like everybody wants to grow everyone wants to have wealth and happy yeah. relationships but it's like you know in order to do that and again we learn these as, as we we learn this as athletes when we work out in the gym you have to go through some sort of pain mm-hmm. so part of my philosophy is embracing that pressure and actually preempting it by putting pressure on yourself mm. like actually uh, instead of waiting for life to give you pressure, you put that pressure on yourself. So for me, even when I was a firefighter, asking myself, like, yo, like, is this actually what I want? Because it was actually, life was starting to slow down for me at that point. Got a little job, benefits, this and this and that, family, house, whatever. But it's like, is this, <clears throat> I can foresee I'm going to not be happy at some point because this isn't what I want. Right. So feeling that pressure earlier, and putting that on myself and operating on that and actually teaching myself and training myself to enjoy that pressure. Mm. If you look at anyone who succeeds at anything, and a great example is sports, these are people who have trained themselves to love things that other people run from. You see what I'm saying? Like really mundane things, the certain the type of training and the certain discipline that goes into it. So I feel like if you can learn to embrace that pressure, you know, great things are going to happen. So that's a big part of it, man. And in terms of the, you know, trusting your instincts, you know, again, this is not something that's really trained in us. You know, we're taught like how to think and, you know, what we um, want 
told what we want. I was told I was going to be a, you know, a lawyer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. I wasn't, and, and it's very determined. Right. And, and it's not, and I'm not trying to knock my pops, but even in society in school, like where you ever sat down and, you know, someone helped you identify what you liked, what you didn't, uh, what you were passionate about, what you weren't. So for me, mm. it's about when I was younger, man, I, I had to, I had to, pay attention to what I wanted. Otherwise I wasn't going to fit in anyway because mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't good at the things that my dad valued. Mm. So I had to learn, you know, and, and I'm grateful for that because that's a big part of who I am today to trust my instincts, to pay attention to what I wanted and to what I want, as opposed to what other people tell me, um, tell me that I want, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. bro, how, how do we, Cause like what you're talking about, like what your when your parents or just like family members, they kind of predetermine what they want you to be, right? And that and that's pushed on you. Um, but it's like we all, it's like almost all people we're socialized to take advice. Right. We're we're socialized to think that other people know better, right? Than we do exactly when it comes to our life. Exactly. How do how do you overcome that, bro? Like what what strategies do you have for folks that are going through that? Yeah, no, okay, so I'm going to go big picture first before we start talking about some of the practical things you can do right now. Yeah. Before anything, you have to get clear on what you want from your life. Mm. And I'll just speak as Ben, what value do you want to give the world? So that's a big problem you have to prioritize right now if you don't already know that. Right. Because if you don't know that, then all the other, you know, oh, is she good for me or not? Like, how are we going to know that if we don't know because to me, it, it's just like Kobe's had this great quote. He says, you start first with where you want you want where you want where your game to be. What mm-hmm. would make you the most unstoppable, right? So you create a picture of where you want your game to be like. Mm. Then you work backwards from there to create that game, right? So we have to be deliberate about what it is that we're trying to be first because how are we going to determine? Just like when you buy a car, you got to figure out what your needs are, right? Yeah. If you walk in to buy a car and somebody's just trying to push a car on you without having figured out, well, do you got mm. a family? Like how many people? Right. Right. Like how far do you commute? All of that is going to help you determine, you know, what type of car you should get. So I feel like big picture first, you need to have that clarity of your vision. Like how do you, what value do you want to uh, add mm. to the world? And if you want to get specific, how how do you want to make money? Let's just be real, yeah. right? Like oh, yeah. how that, oh, because, um, and I'm not knocking people who have jobs to make money and then do things on the side. I think there's a time and place for that. But for me, and you know this, I mean, we talk hey, like for, hey. for me, it's like, look, you got to be making money doing what you want to do. That's like I'm, 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 and that's why I respect Dame Dash so much. Like mm. I'm cut from that type of cloth. Like right. where, like I'm not. I can't, I can't make money doing something I don't want to do. Yeah. Like the dollar, like I, I, told, I told my daughter this and I'm trying to teach my kids this as well. It's like, no, don't, the money that you earn, let's say you just earn a dollar today. That's mm-hmm. worth way more than whatever money we give you. That's a Because you make it on your own. Right. You know what I mean? So I feel like that needs to be determined first. From there, you got to be starting off the year with some clear objectives, like where do you want to be, mm-hmm. right? So you saying, okay, it's January 1st, just to make it simple. Where do I want to be by December 31st? Mm-hmm. 
that's yearly goals, right? Mm-hmm. From there, you got to reverse engineer that and start breaking it up into quarters. Right. So I don't start a quarter without knowing where I'm going. But again, the quarterly goals have to do with the yearly. Right. And the yearly falls up under that, underneath that vision, mm-hmm. right? So that's just basic one-on-one. Because a lot of times we're asking for advice. When we're asking for advice, we don't even have clarity on those things. Mm. So I'm always weary of people who give me advice without ever asking me questions. Right. You see what I'm saying? So right. if I call you up and I'm like, what should I do about this? And you immediately start telling me. I'm They're like, just how talking do you... from their own frame of reference. Yeah. Like, got nothing to do with you. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah. how could you possibly know? Yeah. So I always value people who know how to ask good questions. Mm. Well, what is it that you wanted what did you want to have happen what do you want to have happen by here what's in the way what problems are you dealing with right you know why are you dealing with those problems so anyway having that frame that frame of reference saying look this is what i want to be this is where i want to be by the end of the year breaking up your quarters because then you can start breaking up the months you know the weeks and the days now that's just high level right Mm -hmm. but from there you come up against problems and challenges so i'll just tell you just how i kind of work for it because I struggle with this every single day, especially given what I'm going through right now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I won't get into the details on word, it, but word, word. it's super, super difficult because I'm, I guess I'm a natural overthinker, you know, and I, I don't pay a lot of attention to the, uh, you know, the horoscope and all of that, but my wife does. <laughs> Apparently I'm a Libra and they're overthinkers, you know what I'm saying? And it, it's kind of true. Like yeah. I actually do. I think a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? So when I'm struggling with something, I always have the instinct to, I, I, and I, because, you know, I was raised by my pops, mm-hmm. I think in terms of right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Like in that, and, and again, some people can relate, some people can't. But so whenever I'm trying to seek advice on whether or not I'm doing the right thing, there's a couple practical things that I do just to help me get that clarity in terms of, you know, if I actually need help. Mm-hmm. The first thing is resist the urge to call someone whenever you're going through something. Whew. Now, I know that sounds a little counterintuitive because we yeah. are taught, you know, reach out to people. And I believe in that. You need help. You need yeah. to have support. But many times, I think there's a great quote in 50th Law. I'm trying to figure out what the exact quote is. But he said, all of man's troubles come from not being able to sit alone in a room. You see what I'm saying? So That's a it. lot of times when we're struggling with some a decision, we like immediately want to call someone. We want someone to comfort us. We go to some sort of vice to take our mind off it, but we want to be told something good, right? right? Either an answer, you know, so we don't have to think about nothing. Mm. Somebody can tell us. So I've trained myself and I'm continuing to train myself to not, you know, immediately do that. It's kind of like when it comes to diet, right? If you eat something every time you think you're hungry, you're going to be overweight. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you got to drink some water first, take a deep breath. Maybe you're not hungry. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're just a little anxious. You Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? So um, that's first. You tell my seven-year-old daughter that. When she be at home for the summer, like, you you get up and eat every 30 minutes. Right, right. My son opened the fridge. Like, I'm like, you opening the fridge like 30 times a day. (laughs) What is happening right now? You're just bored. Just go outside. Exactly. So resisting that temptation. Now, what helps with that is, number one, starting off each day with a plan. So mm-hmm. I call it blueprinting the night before you go to sleep, making sure you have an objective for the day, mm-hmm. making sure you have some tasks, et cetera. But again, you still are going to, when you're going through something, whether it's, you know, whether or not I should, you know, leave this and start this, leave this person or, you know, big life decisions that we're all struck with. So uh, walking helps for me a ton as well. Man, you know, like, yeah. and the, it changed for me when, this was actually during a pandemic when I was running at my peak. I was running a bunch, man. And I really like to run. And 
and I just not really competitively. I'm not a fast runner, but uh, I enjoy it, you know, and Word. I train myself to enjoy it. And I, I've, I'd always had that. I always was jealous of people who could run for miles, and you know, I always liked that. So, but then I started, you know, getting little calf pains. I was, I wasn't really respecting the hustle of running. It's like if you gonna do you it were, for real, you wasn't stretching right, exactly. Or? wasn't stretching. <laughs> was just going out running. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So started having those things in my hip, and. So every time I would try to go out and run, man, it would tweak my calf or something. So it just kind of humbled me, like, mm. you're not running. So, And so then I just started walking. And it didn't, didn't really hit the spot the same way. Mm -hmm. But it changed. the. I can't remember who told me this. I think I might have saw it on Instagram or something, actually, where it was like, don't walk for exercise. Walk, like, for your mental health. <laughs> like, And I was like, oh, shit, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So as soon as I started thinking of walking as – because I never give walking credit <laughs> from right. an exercise right. standpoint. We never it's like, do. It's like, nah, bro, that don't count. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So instead of trying to convince myself that it did count, I was like, nah, this is what I need mentally. Mm -hmm. So when I walk, it's like I got time to think and ask myself questions. And it's crazy how many answers you get when you do actually do that. So I would say walking for any human, whether man, woman, whatever, whatever stage you're at, Add that to your repertoire. Add that as a habit. It will change the game for you. That's a fact. It, it's I, walk, I walk my dog just for that reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like 30 to 45 minutes of clearing your mind. Right, right. Yeah, and it's just like, and it, and it's kind of exercise. It is. You yeah, know what I mean? No, so it's it like, it's a win-win. Right. Yeah. Because it kind of it kind of forces you to slow down. It's the same concept of like, you know, yoga or anything where you can't like get out of it. It's mm. like, like with running or lifting, it's like you can kind of beast your way through it or exert yeah. effort but walking is like where are you going like mm -hmm. <laughs> just walk mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like yeah. um so it slows you down in that way and then once you do that once you once you make a standard that says look i'm not gonna call nobody every time i'm struggling let me think through my own problems first then from there you can start going to select people mm -hmm. to get certain types of advice right so it'd be the, funny like my, the the default is you just call the same person for all your problems, bro. <laughs> right? Like right. The homie, like, hey, hey, bro, what you? Exactly. He don't know all of that. <laughs> exactly. And this is another thing that kind of like took. It's like one of those things that we don't. As we get older, we think less black and white. Hopefully, if we're becoming wiser, we think less black or white. So naturally, we want our wives, we want our best friends, we want them to be everything. But as you get older, you realize, like, first of all, you're not everything to anybody, <laughs> number one. It's not sustainable. It's, right. And nobody <laughs> can be everything to you. So realizing, like, creating what I call your power circle, knowing what your friends, your mentors' strengths and weaknesses are, and mm. utilizing them for that and nothing so more. Yeah. Because then they can be valuable to you and then knowing that about yourself as well. Mm. So to me, knowing, like, like, first of all, anybody, like I said, who just gives advice without even asking questions – to me, I consider that not, you know, that's not a trait of a wise person anyway. Right, so right. I'm not saying you can't have people like that in your life. I just don't ask them for advice. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I can uh, dig that. Right. Yeah. And, and and then with the people who are close to you who want to grow, you can start training them. You can teach them. So you mm -hmm. can teach your wife or your husband. You can train them. Say, listen, when I'm going through something, don't just give me advice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Maybe That's just a ask a few questions. Yeah, here are yeah. some questions you can you can use to ask me. And if I my ask my wife you, trained me, <laughs> right, right. She was like, "Stop giving me advice." Oh, exactly. I, Stop yeah. trying to give solutions. <laughs> well, I was like, "Damn, you over here telling me all your problems? Like, exactly. what you want me to do? Just, right. just listen." See, but well, that's a di <laughs> see that's different because then you start talking about like. 
because when I'm in solution mode, because I do the same thing oh, with my yeah. wife, oh, yeah. I will ask questions, but I'm still in solution mode. Mm -hmm. And I learned, and this is separate, you know, with females, sometimes I just need to vent. That's you know what I'm saying? And that's actually a way that they can connect. Oh, yeah. So, and that's a tough lesson uh, for people like you and I to really. It's tough. <laughs> every man is learning that lesson right, every right. day, bro. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm learning that through my kids as well, specifically my oh, daughter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just knowing when she actually. Because I'm a natural, like, I'll challenge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I like challenge. And yeah. you know that about me. Like, we, yeah, we, yeah. we vibe off of that. So, sure. but that's not always, you know. The best thing to do, let's just say. <laughs> Not for baby girl. Huh? <laughs> right. But, so, but but speaking of that challenge, bro, um, there there was something that you said uh, on one of your podcasts, and it was in reference to athletes um, and, and pressure mm -hmm. and how athletes nowadays are praised for running away from pressure mm. or um, – I don't want to say like shirking their responsibility, but like kind of like, you know, dealing with the media or just dealing with whatever adversity comes their way and just, just staying away from it. And it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, good, good for them. And you said something that was just poignant. You said the world is conspiring to make you soft. Right. Right. Bro. <laughs> what does that mean? Man? So many levels to that. Where should I begin? <laughs> I, and not to get too, I'll just speak from a you know practical basic standpoint. Word. To grow is to to make a conscious decision to grow and evolve and get better. Mm -hmm. You naturally are going to be dealing with friction. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I feel like I mean just just to talk about we as humans just kind of naturally just don't really enjoy friction and I think that society has also conditioned that as well for whatever reason. Uh, you know a lot of the reasons better than I do, so I'm not going to get into, you know, why. But everything is easier, even just technology. Everything's easier for us. I remember we used to go on trips with my pops, and he would use a map. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't even know what to do with a map. You I couldn't know even I mean? fold it back up, <laughs> let alone right. follow it. You know right. I mean? like, so it's like things are are becoming easier and easier for us. And I think that's part of human nature. So if you want to grow, you're actually going to have to go against that. Like you're going to have to train yourself to go against that in a lot of ways. It's becoming easier and easier to not read books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. People actually feel like they can hop on the gram and get a 60 second synopsis. You know, they got apps that breaking down like powerful books. People spent years and decades writing and we think we can, you know, take a 10 minute summary and get all of that knowledge. It's like, nah. So um, and yeah. And so I'll just keep it there just from a technology standpoint. It's like things are becoming easier and easier. So it takes I don't want to say like a you got to go back to. And this is why I love sports. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, <laughs> you see yeah, what I'm saying? So yeah. everything is not microwavable. Like you still have to. There's certain universal laws, if you will, that you can't circumvent. You can't go. Uh, you can't go around mm -hmm. if you want to grow. So I would say anyone who who actually not just claims to be about this lifestyle. And when I say this lifestyle, I mean this jungle lifestyle. You actually want to. Mm. You you actually want to live out your dreams and yeah. make something happen. You're gonna have to embrace difficulty in a way that you have not been trained to. When you go on Instagram, and it's crazy. It's like. You see so many, I see so many things that are just not true. I'm like, and this person saying it with such, such, 
Such passion. Yes. And all of these people retweeting it, people sending me shit. I'm like, you believe this? And it's like, this bro. is not true. Like, bro, I, I get that all the time. Like, man, and and like people be sending me stuff. Like, so I'm their their fact checker. Right, right. And I'm just like, bro, why are you sending me this garbage? Like, bro, I just, just want to make sure, bro. Cause it was, right. It was, it was pretty convincing the way that they lay. I'm, I, I'm sure it is convincing. Right, right. But come on, man. Yeah, it's not true. But, but and, and again, it's all trying to just oversimplify things and yeah. make things a lot more simple than we're willing to deal with. Life yeah. is complex. Right. So our job is to make it simple. But like, I think as Albert Einstein, he said, like, not, you know, too simple, but also not more simple than it needs or more complicated than it needs to be. Right. So I feel like wisdom is when we start making simple a lot of the complexity of the world. But we got to go through that period of time. We got to go through that ignorant phase. Mm -hmm. We got to be exposed to information that just blows our mind and make confuses the hell out of us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you want to build a business, you got to go through that period of time where you don't know at all what you're doing. Man. You know, that that uncertainty where you launch a product and you're checking your email every, like, how many you sell. I remember I sold my first course. Yeah. I sold two copies, and then one of them was a refund. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dang. It's if like, it's, like it, that, though. Yeah. It's like, it, this is part of the game, yeah. so don't yeah. allow anyone to convince you anything different. And I think maybe I was talking about this um, when you were, the uh, what you're talking about, but even with a lot of these athletes, and I'm not knocking anyone who, you know, wants to take their career into their own destiny, right? Like, I'm all about that. But I feel like some of these athletes are getting it twisted a little bit. Number one, they're forgetting that what gives you the most leverage is being good. So so focus on being good first. Like, don't think that you're LeBron. LeBron has that leverage because of how good he is. And then he used how that leverage he did have or did create, and he started building on that and being smart and putting together a good team, all of that. But you got to be good, and you can't, Run, you can't jump from here to here to get to there. And there's certain things you're not ever going to outrun. You're going to have to pay those dues at some point or another. So you might as well do it as early as possible. You might as well do it in the most systematic way. And, again, I'm not knocking anyone who, you know, demands trades. I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of athletes are doing all of that. But I feel like the reality is, it all comes back to trying to run from pain. You know what I'm saying? And like, I love what Dame said when he resigned. <laughs> he was like, "I'm I'm never running away from the grind." You yeah, know what I mean? I, yeah. And man, and folks and, and they can take that how they want to take it, as in you wasn't gonna go nowhere anyway, you know? Or nah, Dame has been talking this right since he came in the league. Like he wants to bring a chip to Portland, right? And so you know, if Dame wanted to go, he could go. Absolutely, like, yeah, he yeah. could force a trade. There's a exactly. lot of teams that would you know. <laughs> Falling over themselves to get them, but right, and it's it talks sports, man. The way they always have these narratives about certain teams, and he can't ever. Why can't he do if if Giannis can do it in Milwaukee? Come how on, come man. he can't do it in Portland? That's a fact. So and it takes time. You right. see what I'm saying? So you can't. And Dame understands understands this, and he has a code that governs his behavior. Yep. So he's not just jumping from whether or not he wins a ship or not, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. He's in the jungle, so right. he has that pride. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He can he can hang it up and realize, like, hey, I'm good. And he said, like, even if he won somewhere else, it just wouldn't feel the same. It's exactly. kind of like what you're saying, like, even if I took a job and I made X amount, it don't feel the same making that for somebody exactly. else as of as opposed to making it on my terms. Exactly. And so Dane was like, nah, I'm Otherwise, just... KD would have stayed in Golden State. If it felt the same, he would have just got, <laughs> right. like, but it just don't keep, feel just, the same. Just stay there and keep winning. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. It don't feel the same. Yeah, man.
so let's let's get into this rapid fire. Well, not so rapid fire, but it's still just a few questions. First thing that come to your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, what did I want to be? Well, a lawyer. Um, until I, you know, started playing football. Word. And then I, I said I want to be in the league. And I remember I didn't have a TV growing up, so I didn't have a ton of like. Doppel wasn't having it, bro. Nah, he wasn't having <laughs> it. But I, I knew enough about sports, and I would watch TV, and I knew that Jerome Bettis was a big back, like how I Word. was. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want to get to the league. So that was something I decided when I was. I can't say it was like right when I started because I just love football right away. But in high school, okay. that's when I was like, man, I want to get to the league. That's you what I'm saying. That's yeah. What's, uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Man, that's a tough one. Best advice. That's tough, man. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you something that sticks out to me the most. Word. And. I, I think it's less advice and more just like a piece of wisdom, a jewel, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it was my dad, and when I was, he was driving me. I, I remember I, I was really upset that he put me in his private school, mm-hmm. and um, it was tough for me at this school because number one, it, I was one of only two black two black kids at the school. Not only that, it was a really it was like one of them college prep schools, and I oh, was yeah. not the best academically. I was struggling academically. I was struggling to fit in. Uh, wasn't living up to my dad's standards. And it was one of the few times he was actually like, I remember he was kind of like compassionate with me that day, man. And he mm. said, no condition is permanent. You know what mm. I'm saying? And it was like, that made so much sense to me. And my right. dad's not somebody to give you a bunch of like flowery kind of, he just told me practically like, look, nothing, like no conditions permanent. And that's mm. always stuck with me. So it was like, anytime I'm going through something, it's like, you know, you're not going to be feeling this forever. Right. So, um, that always gave me good perspective whenever I've struggled, you know, gone through difficult times. And it always, I remember exactly where I was when he told me. It was mm-hmm. like one of those things I'll never forget. Right, right. You know what I mean? So that was a jewel. That Bro, that's wild. Me. I never thought about you were the only one of your brothers to not go to Benson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, a lot of times people would see me and they wouldn't even know that there was a fourth Shabomahin. You know what I'm saying? Man. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Um, <clears throat> worst advice you've ever received? <laughs> okay, let me think. What would Jesus do? Not play. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to my mind, hey. honestly, because I, I don't really—I'm not in the habit of writing down bad advice. Right, right. You know of what I'm course, saying? Of course. But um, first thing that pops in your mind—that to me, that premise is just off. But I, I get what they're saying. But honestly, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Where, uh, who's the most? Interesting person you've ever met in your life. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Robert Green. Robert Green. Yeah, yeah. What was He's that a, like? It was incredible, man. Mm. Um, I started, I, I read his book, 50th Law. That changed my life. Like every once in a or hopefully if we're lucky enough, we read a book that literally alters how we think mm-hmm. and also alters what we do. I thought a lot 50 of, wrote that. No? Well, it was 50, 50 Cent and Robert Green wrote it. Okay, uh, based but upon fifties. I, I don't know how much fifty input. actually wrote it, yeah. but uh, so it's fifty cent and Robert Greene. Okay. But that book I read over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really admired him. Then of course read all of his other books, Thirty Three Strategies of War, yep. and then um, started podcasting, man, and then interviewed him one time digitally, like you know virtually, mm-hmm. and then me and my wife went to L.A. and actually went to his home, sat down with him. Interviewed. Oh, that's hard. And now he's, you know, um, yeah. So just 
it was crazy because seeing his process and seeing how he thinks and what actually goes into his process of writing a book mm-hmm. was wild to me. So he would show me his bookcase and it was like a bookcase, like, I don't know, to give you all some perspective, seven feet wide, like big bookcase. Mm-hmm. And it was like, he read every one of these books just to write 48 laws of power. Man. And then he was like another bookcase read every single one of these books. Sheesh. So how much preparation went into you know, and again, there's a lot of people who like writing books and almost bragging about writing a book in a short amount of time as though that's like, it's like, nah, this dude like actually mm-hmm. invested years and years, seven years into research, uh, learning. So extremely um, interesting dude. I love the way that he thinks. And of course, his, you know, work changed my life. So, yeah, man, the way he writes books, like, I mean, it makes sense that he had to have a whole library of books just right. because he has so many different stories, so many from different time periods yeah. just to like talk about one point. Exactly. Pull from this story, from this, whatever. Right. And I'm just like, how, how do right. you do that, bro? Nah, for real. And the way it's structured, man, like the, and I, I'm a, I'm like obsessed with the structure of things, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so like the way that his books are structured and how much thought goes into that yeah. and preempting objections that readers would have and putting things in the right place in the sequence of things, man, is just, yeah, he definitely got the level. formula. For right. Sure. Right. Um, ducks or beavers. Oh, come on, man. Beavers all okay. the way. Okay. Like, okay. yeah. So I went to Oregon I, state. I, so I, I, I got to test your loyalty. Real oh quick. yeah. That's, I mean, I'm not even <laughs> someone who is like, Die hard, like I right. read Portland State more than Facts. Oregon State, but I Facts. was there for three years. And anyone who, anyone who's ever played, or even I can't say went, if you played mm-hmm. football for the Beavers, you have to hate the Ducks. <laughs> I cannot stand the Ducks to this day. So, Man. and so yeah, some things never change. Huh? Exactly. For sure. If you had to choose from MLK, Marcus Garvey, or Malcolm X to be your life coach, who would it be, and why? Oh, that's easy. Malcolm X, uh, easy. Mm. Um, and the reason why, and this is no knock on any of those other two. Yeah. Um, I know the least about Marcus Garvey, but I do know that Marcus Garvey, um, Malcolm X is a disciple of Marcus Facts. Garvey. So, Facts. and the way that Marcus Garvey, like when you talk about, <laughs> let's just use the rap analogy. If you're going to choose, you know, Jay-Z or Dame, I'm Dame all the way through and through. So, mm. And Dame to me is cut from that same cloth. Mm. The what I loved about Malcolm X is w- you rarely heard him, and that's why I feel like even when people would talk about Malcolm X, I'm like you're not showing the right parts, man. Mm. Like he was not someone who was going to be complaining about how things were, as opposed to teaching you how you need to think in order to deal with whatever you're dealing with Facts. and evolve from it. Facts. And that's always my default. Like I get frustrated when I sit down with people who almost go out of their way to explain why they're helpless. Mm. It's like, no, no, this is what you can do, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's talk about that. Right. And that's what Malcolm X was about. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Regardless of whatever philosophy people believe he had or not, mm-hmm. he was about, he was a practical dude. He was a philosopher, but he was a practical dude who was about teaching black people how to get up out of where they were from and create a new identity. And to me, it's always... It always makes sense to do that as yeah. opposed to complaining and crying about however shit is. And and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what MLK did because MLK had his place and all of that. But mm-hmm. uh, let's just say, you know, it's Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm yeah. X for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. Um, if you had to choose, similar question. If you had to choose from Robert Greene, okay. James Allen, or Sun Tzu to be a life coach, <laughs> who would it be? 
That's a tough one. Okay, I'm gonna rule out a couple people. No, not a couple people. Uh, James, I love James Allen, yeah, and I love his work, but uh, he's more. I don't know a ton about his story, right? right so right. he's a mysterious dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's. I mean, he writes well, and mm-hmm. you know, um, damn, that's tough. Sun Tzu versus Robert Greene. Mm. I'm gonna go with Robert Green. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just because you know he's in my time and um, and he studied Sun Tzu a lot as right. well. So yeah, Robert Green. I'm gonna go with sure. him for sure. Um, this one you kind of already answered. If you could, if you had a chance to take a dinner with either one of these gentlemen, who would it be? Uh, Jay Z. Okay. Master P. Okay. Or Dame Dash. Oh yeah, Dame off top. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna put it in order. Okay. Cause I would love to obviously all all three of them dudes, but yeah. Um funny as it is, man, Master P, dude. I, I feel hey. with Master P. He's gotta be number two. And and because he's got that again, he's cut from that same cloth. And I'm not saying Jay Z isn't, but I don't think that Jay Z's values um and when people say this, I feel like they they assume it's a bad thing. It's okay to prioritize different values. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. Dame Dash doesn't prioritize um, a certain types of wealth because I think if he did, he would do things a lot different. And he, you know, so uh, the 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 emphasis on independence and that jungle lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm naturally drawn to anyone who thinks like that, and Master P is like that as much as anyone. It's why it's why I was drawn to Nip. And anybody who knows me know I was That's on Nip way That's before a, oh, yeah. he passed away. It's like Anybody rapping like that and living like that and doing things in the way that he's doing them, mm-hmm. knowing that Nip came out with like 2003 and was yeah. just like ever so diligently building the shit he wanted his way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Many opportunities to go this way or try to do that. So uh, I would say Dame off top. And I'm actually working on that right now, trying to get up with Dame and do right. an interview. Yeah, in, I in seen LA. He, he reposted one of your joints on IG. Yeah. 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 So if you guys don't know who Dame is, definitely listen to the film room uh, on anybody, the Sportsman hey, man, podcast. Anybody listening to this podcast, you know, you better know who Dame Dash is. Come on now. Right. But <laughs> but it, I don't feel like people really know like what he is and the impact nah, that he yeah, had. We, like, our, our generation take it for granted, for sure. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I would even argue he needs to belong. If there's a... If there's a um, Mount Rushmore hip-hop, he needs to be on there. Yeah. Like, just because fact. of the impact. Like, he actually is kind of like the Marcus Garvey of <laughs> of hip-hop, kind of, in yeah. terms of this independent artist now that that is honestly pretty normal now and is mm-hmm. getting normalized. He started that. Him and Rockefeller, they started that. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who was preaching that to even Jay-Z. Well, well, you know well I got I got to challenge you on now because Master P, see, I, see yeah, 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 Master P. I'm a, I'm a disciple of Master P. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. P was on that independent way back in the 90s. It's true. And he, and he did it, bro. Like, yeah. no, he, he really did, did it from the South, like, with no backing, no right. corporate, nothing. Like, he just made it happen. Right. Um, But not not to take anything away from Dame because they was on that in 96, too. Like, right, right, right. But, but P just kind of, he hit his stride a little bit sooner. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> he deserves his own film room, too. Man, <laughs> man, P is special, bro. Um, it's a few more questions. Three month, fully financed sabbatical. Where are you going? Oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. Uh, okay, so Nigeria mm. or Egypt? Mm. I think that those are the two. Those are the two places that Why is on both? my. 
Yeah, if, you, if you're saying we can split it up, Where, like, wherever you, whatever you want to do in three months, bro, I'll pay for. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would definitely split it up. Probably three places, month each. Mm-hmm. But I'd go on feel if I if I was having a particular, because I feel like when I go to Nigeria, there's gonna it's gonna be too much for me to dig into that I'm gonna want to stay for longer. Yeah. I'm the me and my little brother, we haven't been to Nigeria yet, and that's actually something I'm embarrassed to say. But it's like that I have to get to Nigeria. Yeah. That's where my pops is from. Like yeah. that's so, um, and then Egypt. I've just you know uh, you've introduced me to a ton. Our other friend Emmanuel has introduced me to a ton as well, and I've. I, like you, grew up a Christian, mm-hmm. and let's just say, well, first of all, I'm no longer that, but I'm more interested in the history behind religion as we knew it, <laughs> and I know a lot of that goes back to Egypt, so I, 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 I know that's another place, once I go, it's going to change my life, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? So there's a ton of places I want to go and travel, but if we're talking about a sabbatical, Cause I'm gonna still be working. I'm gonna still be my mind. You know what I'm saying? So right. I want it to be. I'm not a big vacation dude. I, I like mm-hmm. to chill and all of that. But it's like I want to go somewhere where, where I'm never gonna be the same after I leave it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's I know dope. that's gonna be true yeah. for those two places. That's what's up. If racism ended tonight, how do you <clears throat> think the world would change? <laughs> that's a good question. If racism ended, man, how would that? How would the world change? If it ended and just like and then tomorrow woke up morning tomorrow woke up. and it's just like the whole systematic form of racism, racial categorization, all of that, Man. systematic prejudice, antagonism, and all of that is gone. That's tough. Man. School to prison pipeline out of here. Mass incarceration is gone. How would it change? Like long term, short term, just moving forward, bro. Right. I feel like certain things just wouldn't even be um, – I feel like media would change a lot. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the biggest thing mm. that I can foresee. Right. I don't know enough about racism to be able to speak on, you know, the systematic changes that will happen as a result of it ending. But I feel like our identity as black people would change a lot. That would be one of the long-term effects, particularly through the media. Um, I always wonder, and I'm going to go on a tangent a little bit since we're talking about Dame, Master P, et cetera, um, Malcolm X. I always wonder why we spend as much time talking about how things are versus actually, I always wonder what would happen in the NBA if LeBron, KD, Dame just got together and said, you know what, let's make our own league. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Let, like, let's actually make our own, and not not even call it, you know, our own NBA. Let's make our own basketball league. Right. And let's do it our way. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about systematic racism to say that that can't happen now. Mm. But I'd like to think that if racism ended, we'd be looking at, every, everything would be different. Right. So if we're just talking about sports, we would have our own leagues. We would have black owners. Mm. We would have <laughs> way more black coaches. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. And we'd be doing things our way. And there's, I think that, you know, let your imagination run wild in terms of how that would look. I'm mm-hmm. thinking sports. I'm thinking, you know, um, media, mm-hmm. like, and just what we see, even movies, man. It's always fascinates me how I love I love to watch movies. So that's my thing. And I'm, 
it's always a trip to me how few black people are in movies. <laughs> I'm like, how how is it so yeah, that, easy that, that there's weird. movies with all white people? Right. Like, there's not. So I just think a lot of that was shift, man. And yeah. um, I think a lot of that is shifting, you know. Right. But um, I'd like to think that that would be, you know, one of the side effects. That's, yeah, that's, that's, it's funny that you bring it up, though, especially when it comes to Hollywood, because uh, I want to say 15% of the planet, of the global population is white or maybe less than that. Dang, that's a <laughs> but trick, like bro. when you watch movies when you go yeah, look at Hollywood the whole everybody's world. white right and so like it's funny when people come to America from other countries they think everybody is white right and it's only if like no nah. I mean right it's a good amount of white just people. like if I went to and I've never been to London I would be surprised because the way that people. London looks to me it's like all white people and it's crazy you know like the black folks there they be black black i mean with, with all due respect like yeah they they're dark like you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i'm like dang like y'all been black for a long time over there right <laughs> you know what i mean trip, and, and uh because like I, every time i watch track and field you know you see the american sprinters and you see the british sprinters mm. like, damn like they are black like yeah. it's a lot of them over there right just i got like, fan, just like a it's fan, a lot yeah. of us here you know yeah. so um, straight up yeah, it's wild um if you woke up tomorrow and hit the lottery for a hundred million dollars. How would you spend mm-hmm. your time and your money from that day forward? Oh, that's a great one. Um, so obviously, not obviously. Let me tell you what my priorities would be. So I'm not gonna go into the details of you know what I would do and buy and all that type of stuff. But obviously, building my home from scratch, all of that, setting my home base. But beyond that, to me, it's about taking my philosophy and scaling it to the world just with much more ease and power. You know what I'm saying? So one thing that I'm really excited about is not just taking my philosophy and the killer instinct system, which is my step-by-step sort of philosophy and uh, poured my life and my life's work, if you will, is taking that and not just making that more prevalent into the you know the athlete community but making that almost like the go-to curriculum in schools and a lot of schools in prisons to places and to people who have been conditioned to believe they have no control and teaching them how to implement these things and take it to the next level because this is what 50th law did for me thinking grow rich this is what all these napoleon hill and my first mentor Ray Shellmeyer, you know, who was the father of one of the athletes Shout that ran. Shout out to Mr. Shellmeyer. Oh, you know, you know Ray? I know of him. Okay, yeah. Him. He, I mean, this is what they did to me. Like, yeah. it's like they changed my whole life mm-hmm. and put me up on a way of thinking that just, so that's what I want to do. And that's what I would continue to do. That's what I'm yeah. in the process of doing. You know, just money wouldn't be, you know, as much of a priority, if you will. And it would have more of a, I would have more to use to build my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, to travel the world, learn more, mm. you know what I'm saying, being around smarter people, you know what I'm saying, which I think is something that all of us should be doing is being around people who are smarter than us, who have more knowledge, more wisdom in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and getting my philosophy in the hands. of Right now I'm in the midst of writing my book, you know, get my book out. Man. Just continue to do the things that I'm doing, but just yeah. do it, you know, in better style, better fashion, right? all of that. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would do. That's what's up. Last question, bro. Uh, you won't be here to enjoy this one, but what message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Man, that's a good one. What message, man? I wouldn't want to make it too much about me and more so about what I stood for and what 
it's it's about being in the jungle, man. You know what I'm saying? And I always yeah. use that analogy. It's like you got to do things um, your way. Mm. And I do believe that. That's one of those type of cliches and things that that I, I do. I fuck with it. Like yeah. do things the way you want to do it. Yeah. Because we're too much told, you know, what, what to do. It's like, nah, you are extremely unique. You have a very unique purpose based on how you're raised, where you came from, what, how you're built, your DNA, all of that. You got to figure out what you're called here to do, and you got to go all out. You know what I'm saying? And I would hope that that's one thing that people could take, you know, some sort of inspiration from me. You know what I'm saying? And, and that would... I, that's what I want my legacy to be. So I would want me to be remembered as somebody who was jungle through and through and who inspired others to do the same. So if you want to honor me, you know what I'm saying? You go out and figure out what your purpose is. You put a practical plan of action in place for you to go out and execute that and discipline yourself to that purpose. You know what I'm saying? Structure your life around it. Don't be um, a fool with your time. You know what I'm saying? Like don't waste time. Like, do things that fall up under the umbrella of what your purpose is. And uh, if I could, if, if somebody could reiterate that, that would be legit. I'd, I'd be happy in my grave, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what's up, man. Yeah. Well, bro, I appreciate you coming through, man. This was, no this was lovely, man. Absolutely. How can folks uh, holla at you, um, shout, out, shout out your socials and website yeah, and yeah. all that? So uh, first things first, just go to I'm not you dot com. That's where you can find everything. So the letter I M N O T Y O U at my socials at Nii Shobo through and through. So N I Y I S O B O. And if you want to learn more about my philosophy and how to apply it, I suggest you start with the Sports Motivation Podcast. You Facts. can search that. Um, ton of effort goes into all of those episodes, man. And I feel like could learn a lot of things there. And then from there, if you want to work with me, go to I'm not you.com backslash KI and uh, we'll figure out how to, you know, set you up so that you can work with me and I can teach you how to implement this killer instinct lifestyle, this jungle lifestyle, if you will, in a very practical way. You Man. know what I'm saying? And, and uh, start living out your dreams um, and making things happen. No doubt, bro. And I, I will say, y'all, like personally, I. I ain't went through the killer instinct, but I seen it. <laughs> you showed it to me. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I got to tell you on air, man, like you are the reason why I was able to take my ideas and kind of funnel it into actual so, business man. and practically like create, help me develop my philosophy. That's Give me dope, a framework man. and all that, bro. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate that. Man. No doubt, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited we was able to do this, bro. No doubt. No doubt, man. Well, y'all know what it is, man. Once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next time. Grace and peace. Peace.